Good morning, everyone. And as uh, Nick said, this is kind of part two on what we were thinking about in um, hearing God through healing a few weeks ago. And I think he's already started to do that through the word that Stacy brought um, about identity and the word that Robert brought about um, just being able to come to him as we are. We don't need to change anything. So he's already starting to speak to us about that this morning. So just recapping a little bit from last time, um, God said he is the one who heals. I am the God who heals. We know also that healing is not dependent on having a certain level of faith because many stories in the Bible um, indicate that we don't really know if people had faith at all, but they were healed. It's not dependent on doing certain things, as came through Robert's word. It's not about being good enough. We don't have to be good enough to receive from Jesus. And it's not about who I am. It's about who he is and what he's done. So we're going to be thinking about this, uh, a few things from this passage in John chapter 10. And Jesus is making plain who he is and why he has come. Not everybody is understanding that. And he uses a very sheepy kind of theme. Actually, that's quite an ageless kind of theme, isn't it? The sheep and the shepherd. Um, he uses the imagery of the, sh the shepherd. He is the shepherd. We, we are the sheep, his followers. And he also is the gate. He is the entry point. So he says that firstly, he's come to restore our relationship with the Father. That is his primary goal. And that is the greatest healing that we can ever have, is the restoring of our relationship with our Father God. And then he says he's come that we might have life and have it, not just life, but life to the full. Now, I wonder what springs to your mind when you think about life to the full. Would it be a full life, a busy life, perhaps an enjoyable job, holidays, family, time with lots of time with family, fun, maybe some involvement in community things? Um, during the uh, celebration weekend for the coronation, there was the big help out, wasn't there? And I think many people found that it was it's hugely lovely to be able to contribute in that way. So maybe there'll be some of helping others in there. It might be lots of different kind of experiences, and we all enjoy different things, don't we? When Graham left his company um, a couple of years ago, one of his gifts from them was an experience, and it was an experience down at the uh, Top Gear track in Surrey, where they filmed Top Gear. And they have the track, and I think the, the thing was they, they had the um, star in a reasonably priced car that haired round the track as fast as they could, and you could see which celebrity was top of the leaderboard at the end of the season. So Graham had this voucher for this experience. So on the way down there, I mean, I'm, I'm not a great speed merchant, I have to say. So on the way down there, I was saying to Graham, don't go too fast. You don't need to go too fast. 
And he was saying, but it's the whole point. <laughs> the whole point is going fast, you know? That's the experience. I'm very pleased to say that the ticket didn't include passengers, so I could just sit and watch. But you may not enjoy that kind of thing, but you may enjoy lots of other different kinds of experiences. I know we have hot air balloon experience among us as well, and John has some tales that he could tell you. <laughs> Um, but maybe that's part of what we would imagine a full life. But if we were thinking <clears throat> of a circle and we put into that circle the things that we would imagine would be part of our full life, we'd probably have the good and enjoyable things in there. I doubt very much if many of us would have things like hardship or difficulty or suffering. That doesn't really feel like a very full life, does it? In fact, it feels a little bit limiting on life, quite the contrary. And some of the experiences that we go through do have certain limitations. Um, but when we go into that place of hardship, we then might think, well, there's something wrong if I'm in a place of hardship. Perhaps we can feel a bit less than if we believe that if we're in a full life of Jesus, these things shouldn't happen. Now, it's not that Jesus is an old misery guts and doesn't want us to enjoy ourselves. It's not that at all. He does. He wants us to have enjoyment and fun and things in life that we, we really enjoy. But that's not all. And that's not what he means when he says fullness of life. When Jesus talks about the fullness of life, he isn't just talking about our life now and the good things that we might experience. <clears throat> He's meaning all of our experiences in life. And we will have difficult experiences in life. He's meaning... He's come to give us life in our spirit, in our soul, in our body, and in the life beyond. He's not just talking about the life in the here and now on the earth. It's the life beyond as well. So he's very keen that we should know salvation so that we enter into life that is full and beyond the life we have here. Now, when we think of um, God, he is the creator. He created everything. Nothing would be here if it wasn't for him. We wouldn't be here. He is the forgiver, the one who forgives. And isn't it great if when you are, have been really carrying guilt around you about something, that you can feel the release of that that you don't have to carry that anymore, that you don't have that shame anymore, or that you can actually bring yourself to forgive others and release yourself in that way too from that burden. It's great, isn't it, to have the gift of peace. We've heard about that this morning. Peace in, an, in a particular situation where 
you wouldn't necessarily be expecting to feel peace. In fact, you, you feel the exact opposite. And we had um, from Josh and, and Fiona last week, Josh told us, didn't he, about an incident where he was on the train on the way to an exam, and he felt hugely anxious. And he was reading the Psalms to try and get some kind of encouragement from God. And a passenger came on and noticed he was reading the Bible and encouraged him. And that brought a real sense of peace to Josh. Now, it didn't take the whole thing away for him, but it helped him in his experience. And God does those things. He's a loving and compassionate God. And in, he was bringing that through Stace's word. You know, whatever your experience has been, I am the God who will love you. He restores our life. He works miracles. He does miracles. And God has the ultimate authority over all things. And what God is, Jesus is. He is the image of the Father. And he said, I have come <clears throat> from the Father to bring you the fullness of life in all these things that is in the Father. Now, Jesus himself was the fullness of life, but it didn't prevent him from experiencing suffering. In fact, he suffered the most. But he is still in the fullness of who the Father is. Now, our natural instinct is to want to escape from any hardship. It's, well, it's mine. I shouldn't assume it's yours, but it, it's, <laughs> it's mine. That's what I feel like doing. I want to run away from it. But God is with us in it. He, he wants to be in all our experiences with us. He sometimes does take them away, but sometimes he doesn't, certainly not immediately. And he wants to bring all who, all that he is into that place. Now in society today, there's quite a, a resurgence of an awareness of the spiritual side of life, which is a good thing in some ways. It's, you know, it's good to be aware that we do have a spiritual element within us. Um, we are spirit, and God is spirit, so it's not just an element, we are. But there is a, a resurgence in the secular world of the awareness of that spiritual aspect, which is a good thing. But the difficulty with that is that it has come to mean really anything that you want it to mean. You can pursue your spiritual um, aspect of your life. You can pursue that in any way that means anything to you according to your own personal goals and your own personal values. And so spirituality can be seen now to be built on the secular values that are quite separate from God. It's a personal thing, and people give expression to that in any way that they want, if it's meaningful to them. 
It may include God, but it doesn't necessarily. So if something has, has affected someone in a particular way, they might ex explain it as a spiritual experience. For instance, feeling a, a particular connection with a place or getting a certain feeling from a poem. Now, all those things can be beneficial, but Jesus said, I am the gate. I am the way in. That all these other things are not part of the fullness of life as he has meant it, if they are without him. I am the gate. The theologian, John Swinton, puts it like this. We can either choose the God who created the universe and flung the stars into space, or we can choose a walk in the park. Now that, that kind of says it really, doesn't it? We can either choose the God who created everything, or we can have a walk in the park that makes us feel better for a short period of time. A walk in the park, I'm not saying is not beneficial. I could probably do with more of them. I should. <laughs> but a walk in the park is not going to bring us salvation. It's not going to bring healing or restoration. And it can't fix the brokenness in our life. Only Jesus is the gate for that. Now, in, in some of the accounts in the Bible, we hear the account of the centurion. <clears throat> in both uh, Matthew and Luke, there is a, an account of the centurion who comes wanting healing for his suffering servant. There are some slight differences in the two accounts, but the main central points are the same. The healing of the sick servant and the faith of the centurion. Now we know that the centurion had great faith. We know that faith is not a requirement of receiving healing from Jesus, but he does commend the faith. And it's very easy to think, well, I just couldn't have any faith. You know, the, the, <clears throat> the faith of the centurion, this great faith he had, I could never have that. And then we can feel perhaps slightly less than slightly demoralized, not so much hope. But I don't think the centurion sat at home and thought to himself, I need to drum up more faith. I've got to have more faith. I've got to have more faith. And then maybe Jesus will do something. If only I can have more faith. You see, I suspect it was that the centurion saw who Jesus was. And that naturally raised his faith and raised his hope. He was a soldier. He understood the authority. Jesus had the authority that no, <coughs> excuse me, that no earthly soldier could ever have. And this centurion saw that. He saw that he had the authority to change things that in human terms and in soldier terms were unchangeable. 
Jesus says later in John, in that chapter, <clears throat> no one takes my life from me. I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down, and I have the authority to pick it up again. This command I received from my father. That authority and that command is far beyond anything any human or earthly soldier could possibly know. And the centurion saw that. Now this was in a sharp contrast to the Jews also later in, in the, the chapter as Jesus is speaking to them. And he, they say to him, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. And Jesus answered, what? No, he didn't say that. He said, but he was probably thinking that, because he said, I did tell you, but you didn't believe. I did miracles in my Father's name. They speak to me. But you don't believe, because you're not my sheep. You see that all the miracles they were seeing and everything Jesus had said, they still hadn't seen who he was. The centurion saw who he was and it raised his faith. Now in another account, we read of Jesus sitting by a well and asking a woman who came past for a drink of water. The woman's a bit perplexed by this because she's a, a Samaritan and wouldn't normally be associating with Jews. So he asks her for some water. And the story goes that she said to him that um, she had no water and, you know, why was he talking to her? And he says, if you knew the gift of God and who I am, you would be asking me for water. And you would be asking me for the living water. Now this engages her. He went on to tell her all about her history, her life. She'd had a complicated one. She'd had five husbands. The man who she was with now wasn't her husband. It wasn't a simple life. Jesus knew it all, and yet he was offering to her this living water. He was offering to her the fullness of who she was. Now, she hadn't even been asking for that. She wasn't even going to talk to Jesus. He initiated the conversation. But he offered her the fullness of who he was because he saw her life. He wanted to give her salvation, and he wanted to give her fullness of life in him. Now, it's interesting, because she then says, well, I know I'm waiting for the Messiah. I know there's one coming, but I'm, and I'm waiting. And he says, well, actually, you're talking to him. 
Now, at that point, she has a choice. She can either choose the God who created the world and flung the stars into space, or she can choose the status quo of her life. Now, that's often where we are, isn't it? We can choose the God of the universe, or we can choose the status quo of our life. Now, a few months ago, someone sent me a lovely card, and I, was, I loved the card, but I also noticed there was a particularly lovely logo on it, and I think it's the company name of the maker of the cards. And I th um, so we're going to have that now, an image of that. <clears throat> Lovely. <clears throat> it says, I am so many things. And I, I think the company is IamSoManyThings.com. So if you want to look them up, they will. might have some nice cards. But isn't that lovely? I am so many things. And isn't that so true? If we were to make another triangle with what was in our life at any one time, I wonder what we would put in it. There would be... The good things, the lovely things, our gifts, our strengths. What else would be in there? Would there be challenges? Would there be difficulties? Where would be the things that might come outside the circle if we were thinking of what our ideal full life would look like? Where are they in that triangle? Would there be areas that I don't really want to look at. Thank you very much. They've been there for quite a long time and I've jogged along nicely with them. I don't want any rocking of the boat now. Would there be physical things that we would like Jesus to heal? Would there be emotional places in our life that we've carried for a long time that we would like the fullness of life, a release in those places, what would be in that triangle for us? You see, Jesus knows everything that's in there. He knows the pits that we fall into. He knows the scars that are in there, maybe from past experiences. He knows the things that we're struggling with now. He knows the parts of ourselves that we don't really want to face up to. And also, he knows what he wants to give us. He sees our strengths too. And all the other great things about our life. He sees the totality of who we are. So... We have a choice. What do we want to do with that? Where do we want to invite God in? Because healing is not just a linear thing that is only about our bodies. Now, that's very important, and Jesus is very keen to heal us and heal our sicknesses. That's what he's come for. But it's wider than that. The fullness of life is much wider than that. You know, sometimes myself, I can catch myself sort of um, almost treating God like a divine pharmacy. 
you know, like I go into Boots if I've got an infection and I put in my prescription, out come the tablets, I take them, that's fine, it's gone, it's made me better again. Um, and that's great, but all the antibiotics are do is going to fix that one thing. Not going to fix a problem if I'm still carrying some baggage from years ago that may have even contributed to why I'm ill at the moment. It's not going to fix anything that is behind the, the immediate. And sometimes I can feel myself saying to God, look, just fix that, you know, just fix that. But he wants to look behind that. It's not that he's not interested in that, he is. But there may be other things that I need that I don't know that I need, but he knows that I need. And he knows where I need to start. So in a moment, we're going to pray. So maybe there's something specific that you would like to bring to him, like the centurion did. Maybe Jesus wants to start a conversation with you, like he did with the lady at the well. Now, sometimes, I think it, well, it's quite common, I think, that we can, we can get caught in attention. When we think about praying, um, if we could just have the next slide, Marie. We get caught in this tension between, I know he is the God who answers my prayers. I know he's promised me these things. So if I'm asking for that, he's got to do that because that's what he's promised. And then there's the other side of it. Oh, but he's king and he's sovereign and his will, his will prevails over everything. So how does that fit in with what I want? And we can get caught in this tension between those two things. And honestly, I don't know how those two things come together. You know, only God knows that. Only he knows how they work together, actually. And if we jump to each side, if we just stay on the side of he's got to answer my prayer, he's got to answer my prayer now that I'm praying, we forget and we don't take into account his sovereignty. But if we only major on his sovereignty, we can forget that actually... He listens to our request, and he answers us. And so how those things work together is a mystery to me. It's a miracle of God. But what we can do when we find ourselves caught in that place is just think, I'm just going to bring Jesus into the middle of that. It doesn't matter about those two sides. I'm going to bring Jesus into the middle and I'm going to concentrate on who Jesus is because he is the fullness of life. That's what he promised to bring me. And whatever that looks like for me now, I'm going to concentrate on Jesus. So let's come to him now. Let's lift our eyes 
to Jesus and who Jesus is. Let's take our eyes off any difficulties or problems. Because those can get in the way of, if we just keep concentrating on those, can get in the way of seeing who Jesus is. But let's come now to Jesus, who is the fullness of life, who does bring us all these things that we've talked about, the peace, forgiveness, healing, security, identity. We come as we are to the giver of life, as we sung earlier. So you may like to close your eyes, if you'd like to, as we pray. Father, you are the God who heals. You forgive my sins. You lift shame from me. Nothing is hidden from you. You heal my diseases. Nothing is impossible for you. You redeem my life from the pit. Wherever I am, you are there and you lift me up. You crown me with love and compassion. You're always ready to help me. You satisfy my desires with good things. You know what is right for me. You strengthen me. The past is yours. The future is yours. The present is yours. And you are here in this minute. You sent Jesus to me to bring me all that you are. You sent him to us, to me. As you focus your eyes on Jesus now and who he is, to see what the centurion saw, the giver of life and the one with all authority. You may like to bring a special request to him that you have, or you might like to invite him 
to look into your life and speak into it, just like he did with the lady at the well. I'm just going to have a couple of minutes silence now for you to do that. Let's just take a moment to hear him and to hear what he might be saying to you. And you might hear him in a feeling or a bodily sensation. You might have a picture, a thought, a scripture, a song that comes to mind because he communicates to us in lots of different ways. Just take a time now to focus on him and how he might be speaking to you. If you have heard Jesus speaking to you, then it's good to reflect on that later on and to think, why has he said that to me just now? 
What does he want me to do about that? What is he doing in my life? So Jesus, will you continue to bring your life, the fullness of your life to us through your spirit? Amen.